Chapter 18 of The Steel Hammer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Deanna Beauvais. The Steel Hammer by Louis Albach. Translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. Chapter 18 Another Court of Appeal. Gabrielle's hesitation how to begin to act was based, at bottom, more on the difficulty of choosing how she should begin her work of expiation than any pleadings of motherly or wifely feelings. In all the prayers she offered up during the remainder of that unhappy day, she cried, O oh God, I ask but one thing, show me the way in which I should walk, and I will follow it to the end. She was answered more speedily than she could have expected. That afternoon, as she was restlessly going and coming, bearing about her misery through the hotel corridors, having sent Roger out to walk with his governess, and having let her husband go out without a word, not being able to settle to any employment, for books and worsted work would have been horrible in this frame of mind, she walked into the reading-room of the Metropole, sat mechanically down at a table, drew toward her the first newspaper within her reach, and resolved to read it through from the beginning, commencing with the leading article on politics. Though she neither understood nor tried to understand what it was all about, nor knew even if the paper were published in Paris, Geneva, or London. Having read the first column, forming each word with her lips, she went on, meaning to read it all through, even the advertisements. On the second page, her eyes, as if attracted by a lodestone, fell on a little paragraph where the name of Jean Mortier seemed to glow along the lines as if it had been printed in phosphorus. She felt as if a serpent had stung her bosom and put her hand to her breast, rubbing her eyes to keep her eyelids from twitching nervously as she read. The drama of the Bois de Boulogne has just had its epilogue. The murderer of Pierre Mortier, who, as our readers know, had declined to appeal, and who, it was thought, was resigned to his fate, hung himself, yesterday in his cell. He was to have left Paris the next morning. The paper went on to give a few details of the manner in which the suicide was accomplished. It made use of the occasion to criticize the want of proper precautions in the management of prisons. Gabrielle read the article three times over, that she might get it well into her head, into her heart, into her veins. Then her cold hands let the paper fall. She looked straight before her, as if in the distance she could see that other corpse of a man slain by her own husband, and was comparing it with that of the body she had seen at the morgue. She saw them, side by side, as it were, stretched out on the same table. Jean Mortier was more dreadful to look at than even Pierre. He had no fracture in his head, no steel hammer, and no cane had killed him, but Gabrielle fancied she could see the white hands of her husband clasping themselves around Jean Mortier's throat, even tighter and tighter, until the mild, intelligent face of that unhappy man swelled out of shape. It was too horrible. She caught her breath. She seemed to be strangling, too. Her sigh awoke an old gentleman sitting opposite to her, who was dozing over a number of the Revue des Mondes. Thinking himself the cause of this sigh of astonishment, and that the lady was scandalized by his nap, the devotee of the review stammered an excuse and said politely, Permit me, madame, to ask you for that paper when you have done with it. Gabrielle's first impulse was to draw it out of his reach. This stranger might chance upon the very paragraph she had been reading. He might understand it, he might guess her secret, 
then suddenly she pushed the paper from her the old gentleman spread it over his breast just as the foreman of the jury had held his paper madame de monterey rose stiffly but firmly she was resolved that she would not faint and walked slowly out of the reading-room she walked up the stairs with her hand on the baluster not to steady herself so that she might not fall but to strike it as she mounted every stair as a protest to herself that she had and that she would have all necessary energy when in her own room she went and stood before the glass and looked at herself earnestly henceforward i must learn to deceive henceforward no one must guess my thoughts could anybody suspect from my looks that i am the wife of a murderer during the morning she had exhausted all tender emotions now their source was dry i must enter on my work she said half aloud the paper makes a mistake there has been as yet no epilogue to the drama i shall furnish one the idea of a double suicide came into her mind as she thought of jean mortier's for one moment it presented itself like a sudden temptation but it found no resting place in her mind it seemed an attractive thought to die and to take gaston with her before the judgment seat of him whose judgment is final to offer in expiation two deaths more but self-murder can cure no ills she and gaston were not even innocent the guilty must live and expiate their crimes besides there was roger who had claims upon his parents life and honour yes i will live and he must live said gabrielle to herself firmly when she thought of forcing gaston to make expiation she would not allow her mind to dwell upon his crime she dreaded to be hindered in her plans by her own sorrow those whom she tried to think about were roger jean mortier's widow and his little girl gabrielle had made up her mind to place the decision of her fate in Emilienne's hands to do exactly as the upholsterer's wife had done to her to go and see her and to say to her you can kill us disgrace us and avenge yourselves what price can i pay you that will ransom our honor all i ask of you is to spare my son truly heroic natures grow calm on the verge of a precipice there came into gabrielle's heart a strange feeling of rest of peace that was indestructible she sat waiting for her husband and when he came in from his stroll she was surprised to find that her whole nature did not rise up against him and that no burning tide of fever ran through all her veins he said to her with affectionate interest he had assumed since morning you are better now are you not yes my suffering this morning has passed away so much the better shall we resume our journey to-morrow we will leave to-morrow but we must go back to paris so soon i want to be in paris she said this in a tone of authority gaston could not refrain from saying what for gabrielle gazed at her husband trying not to put too much severity into the look she fixed on him she only wanted to see by his face if he had read the paper and if his morning's gaiety were or were not caused by an increased sense of security now that he knew the man who was not guilty was dead as she looked at him she crumbled the banknote and monsieur de arbois's letter in her pocket i have a duty that i must fulfil she said gravely a duty in which i want you to combine with me there was a slight shade over gaston's eyes but he said nothing he was on his guard after a pause gabrielle said jean mortier's wife is a widow monsieur de monterey did not seem at all astonished at this announcement he had heard it therefore already he asked no particulars 
is that the reason you want to go to paris he murmured yes for that only can't you write to her from here and send her whatever help you think necessary help what help can hinder that poor woman from grieving for her innocent husband when she has now no hope of proving him not guilty we owe more than that to this widow the words we owe were at once very bold and very threatening they almost betrayed gabrielle's conviction of her husband's guilt and yet gaston did not seem to be surprised at them he took them as a natural result of the marriage relation still he felt fear in his secret heart as his wife spoke to him he stammered what do you mean to do whatever madame jean mortier thinks best has she written to you asked gaston somewhat eagerly no she does not yet know that i know her husband was innocent gaston took care to ask no further questions gabrielle went on i shall do anything i can to share the sorrows of the widow and her fatherless child take care take care of what why i am afraid of nothing but my own conscience it tells me i am right in acting thus and i intend to listen to it gaston shivered so that he had great difficulty in hiding his emotion then said he in a sudden burst of resolution all i have to do is to make ready for our departure yes and to settle the hotel bill gabrielle was tempted to hold out to him the banknotes received that day from poncherry and see if he would use them but it was a mere impulse of irony she could not part with them she went back into her chamber gaston as he asked for his bill and watched the bookkeeper adding it up was thinking she still suspects me can she really know he passed his hand over his face and felt that it was moist with perspiration he looked at the moisture on his fingers with a shudder as if he fancied that they might be tinged with blood end of chapter eighteen end of the steel hammer by lewis albuck translated by elizabeth warmly latimer recording by diana beauvais